You know how people say, oh, it's the little things. Yeah. I am living it because I just had a bag of goldfish pretzels <laughs> that fed my soul in a way that I didn't know I needed. You know what? It's a new addition to the Obsessed Network snack tray. It just, I have had a day. Yeah. I had a week. <laughs> yeah. And I came in and I'm even, I'm even, I have the bag in front of me and I'm mm-hmm. like, girl, you saved me. <laughs> Not sponsored by Pepperidge Farm, but my goodness, sometimes when something really hits the spot, yeah, like, yeah, bow, yeah. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> mm, spot has been hit. Hi, Julia Benzavalli. Hello, Patrick Hines. Fam, come see us on tour. If you missed us on Broadway or even if you were there, you know that our live shows are where it's at. And we're doing two different shows, too. We did Killer Roll on Broadway. Now we're doing Class Action Park on the road. Can you hold on for a second and say we did on Broadway? We played Broadway. I know. So we're doing Class Action Park. We're coming to Chicago, Boston, Seattle, Los Angeles. Tickets are selling out. The show is going to be so fun. It's just so silly. I throw myself around the stage a lot. I wear a lot of wigs and costumes. Yes, Steve just learned that there's a costume budget, uh, all for Patrick. (laughs) Steve's always like, what, do you need anything? And I'm like, water would be great, and that's all I need. I'm good to go. Thanks. Come to Obsessed Fest, fam. It's going to be a full weekend. 2,500 are your true crime best friends. Us, Ellen and Joey, Rabia, Bob Ruff, Tim and Lance, Payne Lindsay. Maggie, let's go to court. Amber. Amber. Generation Y, guys. I think that's everybody (laughs) for now. So far. So far. We still got to announce the other live shows. We're doing two other live shows in addition to TCO OWD. Those will be announced soon. Obsessedfest.com. Okay. That's kind of all I got today. That's a lot. I know. Oh, we also have a very fun party over on Patreon if you're interested in that kind of thing. Please join us on the Patreon. Over 300 and let's say 50 full sure. ad free bonus episodes yeah. to download. <laughs> That's where, yeah. yeah, that's where we do all the series. You know, your puppet uh-huh. masters, your jinxes, your making yep. a murderer, all, all that stuff. All Be Gone in the Dark, Serial Season 1, The Staircase. The Vow. Making the Staircase movie with Tony Collette, huh? Yeah, she's. I'd watch her do anything. I'd watch her watch Connie Britton watch Paint Dry. <laughs> <laughs> I love those two. Connie looks fascinated. <laughs> and her hair, again, bouncy and just popping. All right, girl, what are we talking about today? We are talking about Murdered and Missing in Montana on Peacock. And it's kind of an Oxygen documentary. Sure. I gotta say, Oxygen did a good job here. They did a good job. Yeah, I think his Peacock was like, please don't fuck it up. Totally. (laughs) Native American women are the most stalked, raped, and murdered of any women in America. They go missing, they're found dead. What's the pattern? Selena's the 28th one in Bighorn County that hasn't been investigated. Their voices need to be heard. If a non-tribal person commits a murder on a reservation, tribal police can't even make the arrest. Why are these cases not being investigated? No arrest, no charges brought. It keeps happening over and over and over again. I feel like I have a target on my back. We need to stop this. If you want to get away with murder, go to the Northern Cheyenne Reservation. I got to say, like, right at the top, it's a lot of bad news. A lot of bad news. A lot of on-screen text right at the top. Yeah, I'm also going to give our disclaimer that we do at the top of episodes like this. So we are going to be using the word for indigenous people that the indigenous people use in this doc. They use Native American. They say, you know, the Bureau of Indian Affairs. So we are following their lead. Google told me that that's what to do in situations like this. Listen to the indigenous people in the room. Correct. And that's exactly what we're going to do. What's the reservation situation? I trust Connie Walker. If you don't know who she is, Googler. 
Connie Walker uses the term reserve. Yes. They use reservation in this. I'm going to stick with reserve. Okay, great. I'm going to follow your lead because you're gorgeous. Shit. Yeah, and it can, it can, they can all change tomorrow. <laughs> totally. My gorgeousness yeah. included. Who knows? Nothing lasts. Can we get to the bad news? Yeah, we have to. We're specifically in Montana, and right at the top, they tell us every Native American in Montana has a relative who went missing or has been murdered. Violent crimes have been on the rise. Murder, rape, homicide. We can't even find the last girl before the next girl goes missing. How many more of these girls have to die on these reservations before somebody does something about this? You guys, we're going to get way more into this. This is an epifucking-demic. Yeah. Women and girls are going missing and are being murdered on these reserves, and it is astonishing how often and how little looked into and little attention it gets. Yeah, the Department of Justice says that indigenous girls are the most stalked, raped, and murdered of any women in any ethnic group in America. 6,863 Native American girls have gone missing in the U.S. since 2016. And 40% of women and girls sex trafficked in the United States are Native American. Something needs to be done. 40%, you guys. 40%. That is just a staggering fucking number. And we get a lot of like, well, the paperwork is difficult. I am not <laughs> no. having... Just fix it. I'm going to say... No, I know. You, everyone, I know. don't even drive. Get out of your car. Go back home. Cancel the plans. You're not allowed to go anywhere. You have to sit and listen to this intently. And also, drink your water, your tea, sure. your vodka, whatever. Yeah. Every time I say, just fix it. I know. <laughs> have a meeting. Get these amazingly smart, strong, brave women in the room and figure it the fuck out. Figure it the fuck out. Can we talk about Lonnie Coombs? Lonnie Coombs from Rebecca Zahel. That's what I thought because William Elizabeth and Alexis gave me shit because when we were covering Rebecca Zahau, I would alternate between calling her Connie and Lonnie. Not me, Lonnie Coombs. Her motto was ever vigilant, never forget, remember? She has a motto, I forgot about that. Lonnie is appropriately furious at this. She, she brings is. a lot of intense energy and I say that as a compliment. She's like a former prosecutor. She is a tiny lady and like she's one of those tiny spitfire ladies that you're like, oh fuck, do not make her mad. Yeah, because she's meeting with the families of two teenage girls. She's here to meet with the family of two. She ends up meeting with three because some another young woman goes missing while she's here investigating the other two. Right. It's that fucking often. So if you're sitting there thinking those statistics are bullshit. No, no, right. no. That statistic is proven in the middle of making this documentary. Exactly. It is ins- it's wild. I'm meeting with Phyllis Firecrow, a former Bighorn County Sheriff's Officer. She has personal experience with this epidemic because her sister went missing on the reservation and was later found murdered. I'm so glad I was able to come and look at these cases with you. You know a lot of details about the case, too, because you actually knew people involved. Yes. She, like, works with the police, and she has experience as a family member of a victim. Yes, her sister went missing and was later found murdered. I will say, in full oxygen style, they do have... Lonnie's got a little bat cave at Phyllis's house. Of course. You know how they do that? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they have a little a little war room, a little... Yeah. What, is, what is the word? They've got that cork board on the wall with the pictures sure. and, the tw- and the red twine. Yeah, those you know? words are great. I can't find the word. It's oh. gone out of my head. <laughs> Thank you for complimenting my words. You're welcome. <laughs> So Lonnie gives us information on both of the cases. The girls are named Henny Scott and K. Sarah Stops Pretty Places. In December 2018, Henny Scott, who's 14 years old, went out with some friends after school. Her mom asked her to come home shortly after, but she never did. 21 days later, they found her body near the house where she was last seen alive. Eight months later, K. Sarah Stops Pretty Places, an 18-year-old, went out with her friends. She was missing for five days. 
and was found dead near the place where she was last seen alive. So the first one that we're going to learn about is Henny Scott. It was December 2018. She was 14 years old. She went out with some friends after school. Her mom asked her to come home shortly thereafter, and she never shows up. 21 days later, they find her body near the house where she was last seen. I'm going to say something that I'm going to repeat a lot, and that's infuriating. Sure. But like, <laughs> Not when it's coming from you. We appreciate that. But the content of what I'm saying oh, is yes. infuriating. Oh, <laughs> yes. But thank you You're for welcome. complimenting my words. Say whatever you want whenever you want. You know what I mean? Well, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> So she goes missing December 7th. The FBI doesn't get involved until December 26th. And that's when they put out a missing or endangered persons advisory. That's 19 days where no law enforcement was doing anything about this. And then when they are involved, she's found two days later. Yes. We're sitting down with her parents, Nate and Paula. The mom is me. The mom is a fucking wreck before she even starts. I've got a bone to pick with oxygen. These parents are sobbing the entire time. Yes. They are dabbing their faces with the like crinkly napkins get these people some fucking treated Kleenex I mean god soft, damn it oxygen I, one point with the aloe in, in it yes it looks like the napkins are like paper like they're like jabbing their under eyes with it yeah and you know what would be really great if these poor people didn't have to be here totally. like they shouldn't have to they, yeah. sh- they should you know, that's need a better the tissues point. Yeah. because they shouldn't be going through the trauma of talking about this on camera like in a documentary about how law enforcement doesn't give a shit about indigenous people they could have had a nice afternoon with their daughter I know. And like the mom at one point is like, I'm not going to stop crying. So we may as well just start. Let's just do this because I'm never going to stop. It's like so heartbreakingly honest. And I just every time I look at them and look at these family members, I'm like, I shouldn't even be here. They shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be here. So, you know, the dad is like, it's always a smile. You see the smile first and you're like, man, she's the the middle child. Yeah. She was outgoing. Nothing was a challenge for her. I mean, she could just do anything. She was like tomboy and she loved art. The dad tells this story about how they had this like tradition that they would sit out in back of their house and look at the stars at night. And they would talk about the buffalo dust being the stars. And like, that's where the buffaloes came from. And the dad tells the story. He's like, girl, if you're ever lost in the woods at night, these stars are the north. Just follow the stars. And I was like, that is an advice I will never need. Right. I will never need You're like the what? I I also love hearing about the history of their family Uh and the tribes because Henny designed a morning star. And her parents say, because they call us the morning star people in the Cheyenne Nation. I know. And I just love learning about all of those details. It's all also so like, no, don't get me wrong. These people don't fuck with them. They will fuck you up. But like, it's so gentle and precious. And you can tell that their souls are so kind. Yeah, she was like beautifully connected to her family and who she was as a person. And now we're here. Thanks, Oxygen. Thank you. (laughs) Oxygen, it's not your fault. You're the messenger. I totally understand. So we're back at December 7th, 2018. Henny gets out of school early that day. So Henny gets out of school. Some girl comes to pick up. The mom didn't know who this girl was. And Lonnie perks up at that, as do I. I'm like, yeah. who's this one? Yeah. Who's she? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> who am I mad at, Lonnie? Just let me know. When she went, oh, you didn't know? Oh, okay. So the thing is, Henny wants to go to open gym. I don't know what that is. Oh, as per the internet. I googled. Oh, great. <laughs> so Paula, her mom says she can go to this, but she has to come home pretty early. And what Henny wants to do is, um, per the internet, yeah. typically, open gym is an unstructured activity time where the gymnasium is available to students, families, and or community members to play pickup sports, <gasps> such as basketball or volleyball, or participate in fitness stations, oh! run laps, <laughs> etc. What is wrong with everyone? Go to the mall! They were probably like... 
playing dodgeball or just like having fun in the gym. Something vaguely violent. Go to the mall. You're going to run laps in your downtime? I don't. I mean, that's just one of the things that was listed on the internet, which we have to take with the biggest grain of salt possible. But it was just like, can I go back to school and hang out with my? It was just like a thing to do. Totally. Totally. And so her mom says, yes, but you have to come home early. So at eight o'clock that night, Henny checks in to say she's coming home soon. She called me maybe about like eight in the evening. And she goes, okay, mom, I'll be home in a little bit. And then she never did come back home. You figured out where Henny was when she made that phone call. How did you do that? It came up on the caller ID. And when you saw the name, you knew who that person was? Yeah. She doesn't come home. They just go straight to that house. They go to the house and like the dad is like, I asked for this guy that lives there where Henny was and the boy didn't even want to look at me. She said, I don't know. She took off, man. And no one's talking to the parents. They're like, I don't know, man. She just took off. She just yeah. ran away. Then the, par- the parents are like, all right. So Henny's parents call the cops who do absolutely nothing. Can we also just say, if you're the kid at the party and the 14-year-old girl takes off, go after her? Yeah. Or call the what? Or give some kind of helpful information. Don't you want to help at all? I'm just saying, I know we've been doing this for a long time and I know it should go without saying at this point, but can we all take better care of each other? I, d- I, I don't. I want to. Yeah. <laughs> I try what I can't. I'm trying. We're trying. So everybody, everybody go do something nice for somebody today and report it in the Facebook group. I, we have, have 45,000 members in that Facebook group. If by the end of this week there are not 45,000 posts about something nice you did for somebody else, I'm closing the Facebook group and canceling Obsessed Fast. That's right. Also, Sasha, I'm sorry. We'll just make I one post, Sasha. You don't have to approve 45,000. We'll make one post. You're good for And guess what? You know what it can be? Absolutely free. It costs you nothing. All of these episodes are based on somebody not doing something for somebody else. It's just like so often if we just took better care of our friends, I know things would be better. And then it's like, wow, really? Am I the only person when I hear a loud noise or something suspicious, I look at my watch to see what time it is I so know. I can report back and be as That's helpful as a little possible. bit the queens in you. I mean, you are born of parents who survived a serial killer. It's true. It's in your DNA. It's true. Like yeah. moments away. Moments Mere away. Moments. I know. Anyway. The family wastes no time. They were calling friends. They were calling neighbors. They were putting information out on social media and Facebook. And they were getting a lot of tips back of science. She's here. She's there. They were driving hours every day trying to go to these locations where she'd been spotted, trying to find her. These reservations are the size of states, and they're driving all over them following every lead. Just to hit this home, they're doing this because the cops are doing nothing. The cops refuse to look for her. So, like, the family and the community, they're doing it. So then seven, a full week goes by. They go to a nearby reserve and file another missing persons yeah. report there, hoping that, like, maybe a different law enforcement agency will help. No. No. Nope. Because... Three weeks go by, yeah. and now the family's getting a search party, and Lonnie's like, wait, you the family did? Yes. And she scowls. Like, she makes this face. She shakes her head like, why, Iota? And I am so <laughs> here with you, Lonnie. Lonnie. But it's true. The family has to, like, put together their own fucking search party. So they go back to that house where Henny was last seen, and they're fanning out. The house, I get the sense, is kind of, like, in the middle of the woods. They're searching the woods between the house and the road. The dad goes one way, and then, like, some member of the search party calls them over and they have found Henny like 200 yards from the house. This is where it all begins to make no sense at all. And then Connie tells us about Democratic Senator John Tester and she's like, he actually made a statement about this. He's outraged. It's unfathomable that the body could be out there for 13 days. Law enforcement needs to do better. And I was like, aren't you the senator? Why don't you do better, Senator Tester? This is what I can... Stop talking about it and do it. Totally. Because we meet Chris, reporter Chris, right? And he explains the fucking 
fucking jurisdiction of all this. I'm going to yell at Chris in a second. But okay. Yes. Yeah. Because there's nothing clear about who handles a case when a native person goes missing. Fix it. Like, yes. just have a meeting and fix it. Chris is saying it with the tone of like, ah, it's such a big problem. It can't even be fixed. There are so many jurisdictions involved. If you're a Native American and you go missing, whose jurisdiction is that? Is that Highway Patrol? Is that the county sheriff? Is that city police? Is that the Bureau of Indian Affairs? Is it the FBI? Sometimes they'll defer to each other for so long, it takes a long time to get the investigation rolling. For starters, Chris, let's rule out the Highway Patrol. How It's just not yeah. going to be them. They're blaming it on bureaucracy. Right. And that's not the pro- Like, stop it. And, Fix it. And that's my point. My point is these families aren't thinking about this until they're confronted with a missing loved one. It's not the job of the people to fix it. It's the job of the government. Yes. Both the native government and the non-native government to fix this for their fucking people. Yeah. It's such a fucking mess of who's in charge and who can do what. We even meet this one cop who I know we're not like in the business of defending cops, but this one cop is like, it's very frustrating because things that happen on the reservation have to be dealt with by the reservation police. But you don't think that when you're calling 911 right. and you get a, like a cop who's not on the reservation and they can't help you. Right. So until they fix it, Here's what it is now. Yeah. Here's the breakdown of what all this means. Number one, each reservation has its own jurisdiction and tribal police. Crow Reservation is 2.2 million acres. Northern Cheyenne is 400,000 acres, but each have less than six tribal police officers. We hear four or five officers to cover a reservation the size of Rhode Island. This can't be enough. So each have less than six tribal police officers. Okay, I went down a goog hole with this today. Yeah. Again, the numbers are the Crow Reserve, 2.2 million acres. Yeah. Northern Cheyenne Reserve, 400,000 acres. Guess how many acres Manhattan is? Uh, Like 20,000? 14.5,000. On the island of Manhattan, we get 54 cops per 10,000 people. If you were to apply that to the reserves we're talking about, the Crow Reserve, which has less than six, would have about 54, and the Northern Cheyenne would have about 25. They each have less than six. That is the first part of the problem. Yes. That's the, I have three things written down here. That's yeah. number one. Yes, yes. That is terrifying. Are you proud of the math I did? I am Steve blown away. <laughs> Steve pulled out a whiteboard and we did the math. And then Steve goes, and you can keep going if you have to have like no, one, no, no, two. <laughs> one horse per do, 10 do, cops. Do that math on your own time, Steve. <laughs> he was so excited to do math. I could not. I was like, hang on a second. 14.5 thousand acres is yeah. bad. That's uh, that's unbelievable. Yeah. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, a Supreme Court ruling states that if a non-Native American commits a crime on a reserve, tribal police do not have authority to make an arrest. Think about that. I know. That's insane. And number three, Montana police cannot make any arrests on any Indian reserve. I like that a little bit better. That, like, the non-Native cops can't just go on the reserve and start arresting people willy-nilly. Yes, but the other side of that coin is that, like, tribal lands are lawless if you're non-Native. Right, exactly. What the fuck? Right. We have to, like, what? And the thing that we're going to learn eventually is that not only are there only six cops for two million acres, they're saying that these cops, we learn from Phyllis, who's Connie's, like, Native partner in this, that these cops are working 30 days in a row, 12-hour shifts. The burnout rate is so high. These cops, one of the reasons why no one is responding to these cases of these missing women on the reserve is because there's A, not the manpower, and everyone's exhausted and burned out. It's why it keeps happening. Right. And also, something very important to keep in mind, there are hundreds and hundreds of years of strife and genocide and horrible things yes. happening. So there's a part of me that fully understands why Native people 
people do not want to deal with any kind of non-native government or trust them in any way. But we're at a point where we have to work together because everyone is working separately and it's not happening. It's not working. What's happening is whoever is murdering these young women are realizing they can do it and get away with it. Yes. So they have no incentive to stop. The one thing I wish I knew more about was why are there so few cops on the reservations? Yes. You know what I mean? Uh, Is it a funding problem? Is it a people don't want a job problem? Like, I would like more information on that. Yes. So Lonnie is telling us... Henny's body was brought to St. Vincent's Healthcare for an autopsy, and there they declared that her cause of death was hypothermia. Hypothermia is when the core body temperature gets to 95 degrees or below and stays there for a period of time. Essentially, your body is freezing over. Other things that can contribute to it would be the air temperature, clothing, your age, and if you have alcohol in your system. In Henny's case, she was laying on the ground. She didn't have her shirt on. There was a wind chill factor. All of these things could affect the hypothermia. We find out she had no shirt on, and there was like a very low wind chill factor. So we'll get back to this in a second. But like, Henny's mother is back to say, even if the actual cause of death was hypothermia, something bad happened to her to cause her to be outside in the cold with no shirt on to die of hypothermia. Right. Here's a major red flag. Law enforcement is assuming that Henny's been out there for 21 days. Right. That can't be true. It right. can't be. couple reasons why. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Sure. <laughs> Number one, the temperature was going up and down and up and down, right. which means, and this is so heartbreaking to say, but like she'd be, her body would be freezing and then thawing and yeah. then freezing and then thawing. And then number two, uh, animals. There right. would have been some kind of proof that animals were, animal predation. I you mean, know? like literally anything like animals nibbling at her, scratching at her, whatever. For 21 days out in the elements, exactly. out in nature, and she looks like she was just placed there? Come yeah. On. And some coroner later is going to say there was literally none of that. So it is actually impossible that she was out there for 21 days, which means she was either not dead the whole time or she had been killed and her body had been kept somewhere else and sort of dumped where they found it. Yeah, and another major red flag is that she was found 200 yards away from the house she was last seen. Like, you can see the house from the location of her body. Yeah. They were searching for her for 21 days. Of course they went to the house. She wasn't there in those 21 days and she's there now. We are going to see this is very similar to the other cases we're going to see in this episode. Yeah, it's shockingly like a checklist. It's like, okay, yeah. She's supposed to come home. There's a plan to come home. She's missing. Weeks go by. This person's found murdered. Yeah. And so six days later, the parents go to the funeral home to see her body for the first time. And the mom is saying, okay, clearly something happened that we weren't told about. She's like, the first thing I noticed was you could visibly see her nose was broke. She had scratches and bruising. There was a burn on her leg, man. All the bruises, man, on her face. You know, why are they there? I strongly believe they weren't investigated. The cops have never told us nothing about anything. And so she feels like the death was ruled hypothermia, but, like, her body has been through it. Like, it looks like she's been beaten. And also, like, imagine being Henny's mom, Paula, and the cops didn't tell her any of this. They didn't tell the family any of this. So this is how she's seeing her daughter for the first time. Like, there's no communication or there's no care. Like, they're not handling this family in a nice, like, thoughtful way. Absolutely. And I resent it. I know. We learn that the attorney general concludes that there was no federal crimes committed in the case against Henny Scott, and the case is just closed, and the family is given no answers. But, like, what do they say happened to her? 
Right. At the same time, like they're not charging anything, but then right. they're just like, oh, whatever. Well, the implication is that she got drunk or something happened and she wandered outside, fell down and died where she fell. And you know what? These investigators are trash. I'm yeah. saying it because we're with Henny's mom again. Yeah. They didn't tell the family anything, but they gave them Henny's belongings back. Right. And her mom is going through these boxes and she's like, what's happening? Like, these are not her sweatpants and this is not her shirt. They found these socks on Henny. And they are not her socks. The only thing that's hers are the underwear, the bra, and the tennis shoes. They found her in sweatpants and a t-shirt. Whose clothes are those? Where are her clothes? The only thing that really belonged to Henny were her underwear, yeah. her bra, and her sneakers. So it seems like something happened to Henny and she died and somebody like redressed the body in somebody else's clothes. But whose clothes are they? And it's like, shouldn't that be in evidence somewhere? Like there could be forensic evidence right. on that. Even though you closed the case, you still don't know what happened. So right. maybe you would, I don't know, like to give that box back to her family with clothes in it that aren't hers is just so dismissive and yes. so final. Yes. And I resent it. I- <laughs> So we had to call in a PI. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Toth? Yeah, he specializes in missing and murdered indigenous women cases, and he's here to help. I came to uh, bring you guys the autopsy report I just got on Henny Scott. Oh, wow. Yes. First report we've gotten from anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was a challenge to get, but we got it. You know what I gotta say? We always say PIs love their job. I think Mike does love his job. I think he really is here to help. He is here to help, but he also is just like, this is. I know. (laughs) Red tape as far as the eye can see. He really wants us to know how difficult it is. And I'm not saying that as a dig. I'm saying like, they are making this really hard. Like, don't you want to get to the bottom of it? Totally. Law enforcement, like, isn't that helpful for everybody? Well, Mike certainly does. So Mike files two. Mike. (laughs) Mike files Freedom of Information Acts. Because if the case is closed, and the family should have access to the files. Right. That's what he wants. But it's like such a fucking clusterfuck because he files for those Freedom of Information Act like files from the FBI. They put him off to the Bureau of Indian Affairs. The Bureau of Indian Affairs says it's still an open case and they can't give them anything. And I'm like, that's super interesting because Henny's family has her clothes. So wouldn't you want that evidence in this open case of yours? Mike is like, there could be biological evidence all over those clothes. Right, but now Henny's mom could be a suspect because of course her DNA is on it because they just gave it back to her. Totally. So if it's an open case, wouldn't you want all of that evidence? And also, Mike is able to get the autopsy report. He brings it to Lonnie. Lonnie is very impressed. Mike's like, this was not easy to get. I just need you to know. I'm not being paid for this. I'm doing this out of the goodness of my heart. But man, did they make it difficult. I'm a proponent of showing your work. Show your value, Mike. Absolutely. So here's what we learn. According to Henny's autopsy, her blood alcohol level was 0.065. The legal driving limit is 0.08. So it doesn't appear like she was severely intoxicated. However, Henny is only 14 years old. So she wasn't drunk, but, but she, she was, was 14. But she was 14. Like, oh my God, please. I was like, is Daisy going to be drinking when she's 14? Yes. I didn't have my first drink until I was a senior in high school, and I paid the price for it because I took a swig of a beer, and it was full of ashes. Oh, yeah. You've told me this is horrible. <laughs> Mike, my husband, Mike, didn't have a drink until he was 21. Really? Yep. So Henny had been drinking a little bit, and the x-rays that were done as part of the autopsy showed, quote, Five x-rays did not reveal any gross abnormality or fractures. Right, which the parents totally disagree with that. Right. Um, the mother is adamant that there's a broken nose, so. Which makes it hard to say this is an accidental death. Right. 
Her parents are convinced her nose was broken, and the x-rays are saying that they weren't. Right. There's also zero evidence of animal activity. So we're supposed to believe that she laid... This is what law enforcement wants us to think. Henny died of hypothermia and then was in the same spot for 21 days, totally, quote, undisturbed by nature. I mean... Please. It's just impossible. It's impossible. We get the poor man's Werner Spitz later, who's like, that's not possible. Do you mean Joe Morgan, forensic expert, who is incensed (laughs) at all of this? He's just not the character that Spitzy is. I know, you know what who I mean? is. But the thing that makes me like just crazy is that there are so many questions here, and yeah. it's so clear that law enforcement has no interest in asking a single one, asking yes. or answering yes. a yeah. single one of them. Now, again, I'm not in the business of defending the police, but I do want to say what we learned from Phyllis, who is a cop, remember? She's a cop on the reservation. These cops, there's only six of them, and they're working 30 days in a row without a break, 12-hour shifts. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I do believe that there is not a lot of concern, but I also believe that they can only do so much. Yeah, they could have kept the evidence. You didn't have to give it to Paula. Seriously. So Joe... You didn't have to give it to Paula. Don't give it to Paula. That's so rude. That's so heartless. I know, I know. It's heartless to give that to her mother. I agree. So Joe Morgan, forensic expert who is incensed, as am I. Joe's like, and another thing. Something's not right here. You need to have a rape kit, which is done at the morgue. Was that ever done? Uh, You want to do nail scrapings. You want to look for anything that's collected beneath the nails. Maybe she put a fight up. Any kind of trauma that might be present on her person. Is this something that we can go back and take a look at? To this point, we have no idea if any of this stuff was actually done. They don't even know if they took any of this evidence. Like, we don't know anything. Yeah, I don't understand. Here's my thing. Why doesn't everybody (laughs) want to be better at their jobs? I don't know. Why can't somebody, like, be like, oh, fuck. Yeah. We're letting down all these families. Do you get out of bed wanting to go to work and do a bad job? I don't get it. I could not agree Does everybody need to build a podcast network and work 80 hours a week? No. I I, I got news for you. You didn't have to do that. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. UK, it is possible to go too far. Right. You know? Yes, it's just like I think people lose sight of it because it's, yeah. then they're bitter at their jobs and then yep. they don't think about the real people and the families yeah. here. It's a fucking mess. It's a mess. But it is and should be fixable. Like yes, we're talking about like a job where you are literally like the lifeline for the people on this reserve. It should be fixed. There should be better oversight. John Tester, what are you doing? Yeah, it's frustrating because it's like, oh, well, they can't do that and they uh-huh. can't do that. So... I guess we're just not going to do that. It's like, why don't we work to undo the things so that we can somehow work together? We don't all have to be fucking best friends. Exactly. Just work together. (laughs) Fine. Put the the runaways or the missing people into the computer system. Exactly. Just put them in there. Type the name and press enter and move on to the next name. Like, you're so mad. Like, I know. I I, I don't. don't, Oh, no. The hands are over the eyes. Oh, God. She's rubbing the temple. And it's like, have you have them work in shifts? Yep. No one has to be working thirty days straight. I know. Have have three. Have here's this. Have three. <laughs> yes, six cops. Have three uh-huh. of them uh-huh. rotate. Yeah. Data entry. Data entry. However you say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> typing. All they're doing is typing information and yes. sending it to the proper channels yes. so that we yes. can fucking fix this. Yes. I, yes. Did I solve it? Yes. And it's one of those things where, like, with most things, I'm like, fine, I get it. Your job is hard and you work a lot of hours. This is the thing about you're saving people's lives. Even That's your if, job. Even if the jurisdiction, jurisdiction, I almost just knocked the lamp over. I, just just put the thing into the computer so it goes to the the agency that can work on it. <laughs> and then agency, when it gets to you, do it. Do we ever move on or do we just do this for the next hour? This is it. Okay. This is my life now. <laughs> and so henceforth, yours too. <laughs> Welcome. 
So we get back to this horrifying statistic that 40% of women yeah. and girls sex trafficked in the U.S. are Native American. And Lonnie specifies not sexually abused, but yeah. trafficked, like yes. kidnapped and trafficked for sex. I got to say, too, I think that the, the word trafficked and the meaning of the word trafficked is just sort of recently really coming to light. Like people are really understanding that we don't call pimps pimps. We call pimps traffickers. Yes. yes. You know what I mean? I'm just saying for me, especially, and I do this for a living, I'm just really fully starting to understand the full picture of what a trafficker is. Yes, absolutely. And so we meet Janelle Romero. She's a sex trafficking survivor. Fuck, is she awesome. And an advocate. Oh my God. Yeah. Because the thing is, like, did this happen to Henny? That's the question. Because the numbers, you have to consider it with those horrifying numbers. 40%. I mean, my God. Jesus. Yeah. So Janelle tells this absolutely horrifying story. Trigger warning. I told you before not to even get into your car (laughs) and leave your house. Now you're yelling at them. It's not their fault. They didn't do it. I know. I'm taking, I do that to Mike sometimes where I'm like, I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at you, but not at you. I'm yelling to you about something that's that's, that's making me mad. You know, that's a me and Steve thing. I'm not yelling at you. I'm just yelling at you. At you about something. It's not about you. Yes. It's something I'm working on. Listeners, I'm sorry. I'm very upset. This is Janelle's story. These two men put something in my drink and they kidnapped me and held me hostage Uh, and was drugged out for 10 days. She describes it as being drugged out for 10 days. This is so sad and crazy. It's really bad, everybody. She comes to at one point and like sees a line of men waiting to have sex with her. And she manages to like muster the strength to say like, I am a person and my family will be looking for me. Yeah. And then she passes out and thank God she did because she doesn't remember anything that happened. And like they let her go. And she says, she's like, I'm so glad that I don't remember what happened to me, but I'm so... Um, grateful that they let me go. They didn't have to. They could have murdered me. I could have died from all the drugs they gave me to keep me unconscious. I could have died from all the drugs they gave me to keep me unconscious? Let me ask you a question. I know what your question is. I'm so glad you're asking this. What kind of sad pathetic, yeah. disgusting, evil monster do you have to be to want to have sex with someone who's unconscious? And why do you want to do it in front of seven other men? I know. What is wrong with you? I know. I know. I mean, truly. Think about that. Yeah. You want that to happen. Yeah. And you want to be in a line of men. You want to be one of eight. Yeah. What is wrong with you? I know. Don't answer that because I don't even <laughs> want to talk to you. If, and if you're listening to this podcast, throw your phone <laughs> and yourself into the East River. I've had it. <laughs> I yeah, you are not invited to Obsessed Fest, sir. No, you are banned. Yes, totally. You and all eight of your friends. <laughs> no, it's a crazy question. Like what? Like we what were talking is that? about that when the Cosby thing came up. It's like who wants to have sex with an unconscious person? Like how evil and also it's pathetic a level and disgusting. Of depravity. Absolutely. It's like it's so. And then to be like in front of all these, it's just I I I, I yeah. Well, good news. That one FBI agent did Henny's family rights. Right, because the FBI for some reason yeah. wants an exit interview with Henny's family. How do you think that is going to go, Jerry from the FBI? Because they barely did anything on the case, but like in the quote exit interview, I love that even the dad gives the air quotes. Right. He's like, we had an interview. Well, the exit interview with the FBI, we told him that. You know, we want a second opinion. One investigator came up to both of us and he said, you should ask for a second autopsy. 
some other FBI agent whispered in their ear, hey, ask for a second autopsy. And then like disappeared into the shadows. Yeah. The FBI agent who did this uh, secretly or whatever thinks they're helping. But the idea of a second autopsy is horrible for many reasons. Yes. One, no one ever walked them through the first one. Right. Despite many requests. Number two, to get the second one, they have to go against their traditions and exhume the body, which they don't believe in. And I got to say the reason they don't believe in it, it's just like another beautiful thing about their way of life is that they say when you return the body to the earth, you're returning the body to Mother Nature. Yes, yes. Fuck. Let them rest. Yes. And number three, exhuming a body just by nature is traumatizing to begin with. It's traumatizing for me to watch. When it happens, we are there for every second of it. But those are three, again, like nobody thought about, okay, let's not close this case. Let's not, because if they have to exhume the body, it goes against their beliefs. Like no one thinks about that. Yeah. But the family does it because they have to. They have to know. They need to get to the bottom of it. So they bring in this guy, Dr. Cyril Weck. Do you remember him from the Brittany Murphy doc? No. He's from the Brittany Murphy doc. Some of these people look so familiar to me. They said he has 50 years of experience. He's done over 21,000 autopsies. Here's another number. I think he's only done like two documentaries because he's not wonderful on camera. (laughs) I know he's got better work to do. I I totally understand. He's really not. His bedside matter with the family needs some work. He reads from a script. And I know it's, I understand, Cyril, I know you're listening. Lady Kate Five. I know he's doing it because he wants to get the words out. He doesn't want to misspeak. But we'll get to it in a second because Lonnie sends him Henny's autopsy. Like, I'm pretty sure it's the Uh first one. And he's, like, on the Zoom. And Lonnie's like, hey, so are you in? Like, are you going to help us? That stage, of Uh course, he's going to help you. (laughs) But he's reading it on the, like, his face is, like, totally up to the camera because he, like, doesn't know how Zoom works. And he's like. Based upon the facts that you have set forth, I would say that doing an exhumation autopsy would be desirable. And I would be prepared to do this if you all want to move ahead. Based on the information that you have set forth. Getting a second autopsy would be desirable, uh, and I would be prepared to do this if you want to move ahead. Lonnie, is that right? And drop page! (laughs) That's an Annie the Movie reference. Drop page! Warbucks continues! Wow! Drop page! Oh my god! It's fine. We gotta take the musical references where we can get them today. I wouldn't worry about it. No? Okay, great. So put a pin in Dr. Cyril Wecht. We'll be back to him later. Now we got to talk about the case of Kesera Stops Pretty Places. And this is something where we're like, wait, you didn't accidentally rewind. It's right. a very, very similar story. Uh huh. Because Mike taught the PI, Mike PI. Yeah, yeah. He's like, at first they can't determine if it's a murder or not because the cops are like, she was a healthy 18-year-old and then she just dropped dead. And right. I'm like, wait, okay, so Henny just like... Died of hypothermia and stayed in the same place for, and this super healthy 18 year old just stopped living. And also, they say, quote, died of hypothermia. Interesting. Because she was found face down in a backyard with her clothes on. Like, it's it's very similar. Right. And the same thing. She went out with friends. She was supposed to come home. Yeah. She didn't. And we get K. Sarah's backstory from her grandmother and her sister. She has a big heart. She's loving, caring, supportive. I think it was in sixth grade, she told me she wanted to play football. And I told her the school didn't offer that. She went to the coach and they said she could play football. The biggest thing that people would probably remember her by is she was expressive in her affection. She went to the coach for the boys team and was like, I want to play. And he's like, great. She made it happen anyway. I love it. I love her. And we see a picture of her as like a little kid in her little football outfit. She's amazing. Her little football costume. Yeah, her football costume. And they say she was very expressive in her affection, which I think is a nice way to say it. Yes. But so it's August 23rd, 2019. She's out celebrating her 18th birthday and never came home. So they report this to the Bighorn County Sheriff's Office, to which they reply, she's 18. Too bad. She's totally fine. She's out with friends. Stop being a helicopter mom and shut up. You know. 
know, from all my years of doing OWD, I got to tell you that is so fucking common. I know. If, they, if they're a second over 18, we're not looking for it. But I ha- I, there's no excuse for that in my no, mind. I, I agree. I, like, my whole soul disagrees with that. It's ridiculous. That specifically, the whole, like, oh, whatever, she's 18, that was so rampant in Montana. Yeah. That Montana had to pass a law to force these agencies to stop taking shortcuts or passing the buck. But that happened before Sarah went missing. Right. And when she went missing and the laws that were in place to make it so they have to look for her, the police were like, nope, we're not, we're still not doing it. Right. But it gets so much worse, you guys, because five days later, the family learns that a body has been discovered in their town and the mother, Sarah's mother, goes to the mortuary. That's the word they used, mortuary. Mortuary. God. She's like, my daughter's missing. Is it my daughter? And they're like, well, it is a young woman, but she's probably in her 30s. Definitely not your kid. When did you finally hear that they had found Kisera. Her aunt Percy called me on September 11th. She said the body they found was positively identified as Kisera. So this is the same body they found two weeks earlier? Yeah. It is not until two weeks after she went missing that the family has confirmed that that body actually is Kisera. Yeah, it was her all along. I mean, can you imagine? No. Lonnie is incensed. We all are. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, uh. <laughs> but so a report is finally released and Sarah was hanging out with friends. Yeah. She was 18. She was with her 17 and 19 year old girlfriends and one 23 year old male. We're oh. all we're all a little. Hmm, yeah. What's he doing with the teenage yeah. girls? Oh, God. That's old. not as bad as it's going to get in this episode, you guys. So they were drinking. Okay, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And she got into an argument with someone and the argument was so loud yeah. that someone had to set off their car alarm to break it up. Like it wasn't just like, hey, girl, like it was a real scary fight. Yeah. Yeah. And then Kesara was last seen running and jumping over a fence. Yeah. And again, like, this is kind of a residential neighborhood. After she jumps over that fence, she's never seen again. So her blood alcohol level? Yes. Was 0.149. Which is almost twice the legal limit. I don't know what that means. How drunk are you at the legal limit? You can't drive after 0.08. You shouldn't be driving at all. Of course. I don't drive if I smell wine. No, seriously. It it makes me crazy. But even worse, it looks like the date rape drug was involved, which is GHB, which is, are you ready for this, everyone? Yeah. Odorless. Great. Of course. Tasteless. Wonderful. Colorless. Yeah. Excellent. Undetected in the blood after 12 hours. Perfect. And it also puts Uh, you, like, in a coma. You're not, like, a sleep. This is like what you would take to get surgery. Right. So what people are theorizing is like, was she drugged and then she overdosed and then the 23-year-old or the people she was with panicked and left her there because there are no injuries. And the other thing is... Her body was found right in the yard next door to the house where the party was. And we actually had people from the neighborhood tell us there was one gentleman that he's in an electric wheelchair He said, I go down that road every day. I go right by there. She wasn't there. Again, they're theorizing that something happened to her. She was killed and either moved and then later dumped there. But she was not there the entire time, the entire five days she was missing. Right. And more bad news. And this is the worst. Yeah. The family's told that the body is too decomposed to give to them. So in order to get Sarah back... She needs to be cremated, which, again, goes against their culture. So another family is forced to go against their centuries-old tradition because law enforcement here is trash. And the other thing about cremating a body is that it was going to also destroy any sort of genetic evidence. Right. Like, from a forensic standpoint, it's a problem. From a moral and ethical standpoint, it hurts my heart. From a forensic standpoint, it's a problem. Yeah. And so the family has requested everything. Once again, again, you did not hit rewind and start again. This is just what happened. Yeah. The family is requesting the autopsy, toxicology, witness statements, and they can't get it. Because it's an ongoing investigation, and I'm sitting here thinking, but is it? What are they doing? 
So Lonnie is in town investigating these two murders. And in the middle of it all, another young girl goes missing. Like during production of during this production. documentary that yes. we're talking about right now. It's it's out of control. That's how prevalent this is. Her name is Selena Not Afraid. Authorities have been searching for Selena Not Afraid. The 16-year-old Hardin girl was last reportedly seen near Interstate 90 rest stop in Bighorn County on New Year's Day. And, you know, the FBI is called in, like, right away because of these new laws. And because the cameras are there. Right. <laughs> Lonnie's there. So they, right. they get the yeah, helicopters, yeah, yeah, yeah. the dogs. Yeah. They, they go crazy and they don't find anything. I didn't anything. even think of that. Oh, God, I'm so stupid. Because Lonnie's there. Do you think I'm so stupid because I'm so hot? Yes. Okay. I know. I think you're both. I think you're beautiful and smart. I'm that was very a real wound quick up. answer, I'm GP. very wound up. I- <laughs> Tom, can we hear that again, please? Do you think I'm so stupid because I'm so hot? Yes. Come on! Okay, that was a pretty firm, clear. <laughs> yes. Don't fuck me on this time. <laughs> Give me a break. My only question is wait, you think I'm hot? Yes. Okay. I tell you this every day to stop talking badly about my friend Patrick. Oh. Anyway, Lonnie's like, this is fucking ridiculous. She goes, it's like a checklist. It's always the same story. Young girl goes out with friends, doesn't come home, and then is found dead several weeks later. Yeah. And so Selena is the 28th young woman in the same county to go missing. And we don't say how long. Right. And I'm not saying that's a low number. I just sort of want the context. But the point, 28 is 28 too many as far as I'm concerned. 100%. And the PI Mike tells us like what we know about Selena's story. What we've learned from interviewing friends and families is Selena was in Billings staying with her mom for the holidays. Selena asked if she could go have girls night over at this house. The mother thought it was going to be innocent enough What the mother doesn't realize, she's dropping her off at a house party with a lot of adult males and females there. And the mom thinks it's going to be like a bunch of kids. This is my thing. I'm not blaming the mother here. The first time and then the 20th time Daisy asked me for a girl's night at her friend's house. Yes, but I'm dropping you off and I'm staying for two hours. (laughs) So great. (laughs) Good luck with Just that. Just one of the girls. Uh, Mrs. Hines is here. Look, I'm not a mother by any stretch, <laughs> but good luck. Yes, you absolutely can have a girl's night at your friend's house. I'm coming and staying for two hours. We got a big place. Think about our house. Girl's night at our house You're every weekend. You're not doing weekend. that when she's 18 years old. I don't know. I'm just saying, can we just like, as a parent, can you do some investigating into the party? Is that realistic? No. Why? <laughs> Why? Because you got to let them live. Yeah, but then sometimes it ends like this. And so here's what we learned. It wasn't a house full of, like, a bunch of girls for a girls' night. It was a fucking house party with a bunch of what are described as adult males. Like, older dudes. What are you doing hanging out with 16-year-olds? That's why you stay for an hour, GP. You goddamn creeps! <laughs> I why mean, it's d- fucking terrible. Why do, What does a 23-year-old have to even... S- I know they don't want to talk to the 16-year-old, but it's like, it, why do you... It's just so obvious. What we're going to learn is the idea is that these males aren't even there to have sex with underage women. They're there to traffic them because... Because they know they can do this and not get fucking caught. But Selena does the right thing. She calls her mom to come get her. The next morning, yes. And by the time her mom shows up, apparently, again, like some kid tells her, oh, Selena got into a van and left. And we don't know who with. It was just four other people. Yeah. So Selena's friend Tasia is here. This van situation is a little confusing to me. Because Tasia is saying, We were Snapchatting each other. She's in a car. She doesn't show me who she's with, but she seems kind of like squished, like on the side. She like took a picture of herself and she's like, she's like, oh my gosh, last night was so crazy. Oh, that was the last time I heard from her. 
at no point does it seem like Selena doesn't want to be in the van because she's like, oh, last night was crazy. She's sending Tasia pictures. So it's not as though, and you know, we're going to learn that these men who traffic these young girls are very good at enticing them. Of course. So that could have been the situation. But like, Selena seems like a really good kid. So the order of events is she does this party all night with these dudes. The next morning she calls her mom to come get her. Then seemingly willingly gets in a van with these guys. Doesn't call her mother to say, don't come and get me. But is Snapchatting with her friend Tasia, having a good time. Right. It's confusing. Yeah, because the friend confirms Selena was in the car. We see the Snapchats, too. Yes, yes. So the friend says, let me know when you get home safe, and she uh-huh. never hears back. Right. So apparently, the van that she's in breaks down, and they go to a rest area. Right. The van broke down at a rest area. Selena and the other girl get out of the van, and the guys are working on the van, and the story we've been told is the guy gets the van running. The rest area at this time is closed. He drives off and leaves these two girls out in the middle of nowhere. Now, we know this because there's a witness. A witness sees the dude fixing the van and then the van taking off and these two girls chasing it. And so the witness calls the cops. Guess what they did? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. So here's the whole thing, because I wrote, oh, here we go. We learned that this is a known sex trafficking area. Say it, GP. Where are the goddamn floodlights, Tom, please? (laughs) The whole point, if we fucking know that this is a sex trafficking area, why aren't there cops there all the time? Why? And so because someone says, like, the theory is they were trying to traffic her. Yes. Selena fought. Yes. And then they were like, all right, fuck them, and left these two girls for dead. Exactly. In a known sex trafficking rest area. And the family goes to the area. Yeah. This known rest stop or whatever, and they can't find her, so they call the police. And now... Maybe it's Lonnie and her cameras. Maybe it's that they actually feel like going to work today. Uh-huh. It's different because right. now there's a, that law. Remember, when someone goes missing, you have to legally give a shit and yes. activate other law enforcement. It doesn't always happen, as we learned. But today, maybe it's Lonnie and her cameras. It happened. So this is a very organized grid search that was documented to make sure that every piece of land out there was being covered, it sounds like. Yes. So after a long and tedious search... On the 20th day, Selena was found in an open field. And where was she found? Three quarters of a mile um, south, west of the rest area. Her body is found in an open field three quarters of a mile south of the rest area. Her body would have been found. Like, we see video of this massive search. Air, land, people walking on ATVs in helicopters. They're saying at one point, like, helicopters like 25 feet from the ground looking for her. Remember the documentary we just did with Lissa Yellowbird? Yes. It was the same thing. Totally. Suddenly, like, this girl is discovered in just totally plain view. Yep. And so close to where they went missing. Exactly. And Selena's death ruled hypothermia. And the cops say no foul play. Excuse me. Right. <laughs> First of all, she's dead, so shut up. Right. There is foul play. Right. Fuck off. Yeah. Two, Selena's mother found her purse back at the house party upstairs. Wait, wasn't she going home and exactly. her mother was on the way? Why was her purse upstairs? Three, her brand new phone shows that her last ping was January 1st at 12.15 p.m. in Billings. Yeah. In the in the other town. So it's like, wait a second. What are you talking about? There's no foul play. There's foul play because she said, mom, come and get me. Right. Her purse is upstairs and her phone is somewhere else. Right. And, and now she's in the middle of a field. 
rules. Exactly. Don't tell me there's no foul play, police. And like, you have to stop just listing these deaths as hypothermia. Yeah, you can't just use that. Stop throwing that word around. Right. And now, like, Lonnie is fucking all of us because, like, remember, all of these women went missing. Nobody saw them for weeks. All of a sudden, their bodies are like right where they vanished. Right. Clear signs of foul play. The deaths are ruled as hypothermia. And Lonnie's like, one case like that is shocking enough. Two, it can't be a coincidence. When you have three, four, five more numberless, what's going on here? And why isn't anyone saying this is a crisis? We need to stop this. Why isn't anyone stepping in and saying this is a fucking crisis? It, it is. is. And everyone's like, imagine this was happening to like white girls from the suburbs. Can of you imagine? Co- I mean, we, we, yes. I mean, we lived it. Yeah. I mean, that's why we did Gabby Pepito last week and this today. We're trying to tell these stories, right? Yes. Yeah. And so another thing that Lonnie is furious about, as am I. Yeah. The Bighorn County attorney released a statement about K. Sarah's case. Yeah. They didn't get her goddamn name right. Yeah. And Lonnie, because they called her K. Sarah Stops at Pretty Places. That's not her name. I don't care if it sounds weird to you or if it doesn't make sense, but that is her name, so get it right. And Lonnie's thing is like, it was more than just a typo. Yeah. They added a different word, and it's like, what else are they screwing up? Exactly. This is a real human, and something tragic happened. Get her name right. So at the end of the episode, we're back with the exhumation of Henny. Remember, like, this is really crazy because, like, this happened in the staircase, too. We see the exhumation. Yeah. Not only do we see them pull the casket out of the ground, we see them take it to the medical examiner's office and open the casket. They didn't show us any of the human remains, thank God. But, like, the cameras are clearly tilted. and Like, the camera operators definitely saw the human Uh, remains. It is really, really, like, too much for me. Yeah, and I just keep thinking, like, it goes against every... It goes against their traditions and their culture. Totally. God. So they do this autopsy, and in the end, like, the doctor is on Zoom, a fucking 2020 of it all. I know. Sharing the findings with the family, and, like, it turns out that the original autopsy was mostly right. There is no evidence of a fractured nose. I would like to point out that sometimes, depending upon the position of the body or any part of the body, changes of what we call a gravitational settling of blood, referred to as levor mortis. In other words, the bruise-like spots that Paula and Nate saw on Henny's body were caused by the pooling of blood due to the way she was laying for a period of time after she died. There was no evidence of any forced sexual assault or any like any sexual intercourse at all. But the one big thing that still means she didn't die of hypothermia is that there was no animal activity on her body. He says not as much as a small bite mark from a field mouse. Yeah, so clearly she was either kept alive somewhere else for a while and then killed and dumped in that area or was killed and her body was like dumped right before somebody found it. Which makes sense because it was in such a visible place. Right, you right, know? of course. And like the family disappointed by this because it just leads them to more questions. Yes. Like we start, we we end with more questions than what we started with. Totally. And because they can't find any other cause of death, they have to fall back to the cause of death being hypothermia. Yeah. And we end with on-screen text saying, since 2016, nearly 7,000 Native American girls have gone missing off reserves in the United States. And yeah. if you have any information on missing or murdered Indigenous women or girls, please contact mmiwusa.org. I'm giving you a phone number. Oh, give it, GP. Right? 503. Wait, you writing it down? 503-444-5555.
891-0040. Let's do the work ourselves. I mean, the cops aren't, but if you, like, I don't know what we have to do. Like, yeah. oh, should I, like, start negging the cops? <laughs> Is that, like, that's how men think you get things done, right? Sure, what if I'm yeah, like, yeah. hey, dummy, bet you couldn't fix it if you tried. Right. Would that make people care, do you think? <laughs> hey, idiots. Hey, idiots, you'd look better with your hair pulled back. <laughs> you'd look, you, you know what? It'd be so sexy. It'd be so much sexier if you put the name in the database. <laughs> Oh, my God, you guys. We did Murdered and Missing in Montana. Jeez. I know. Jeez, oh, flip, as my mom used to say. Jeez, oh, wow. Jeez, oh, flip. Fam, come see us on tour. Chicago, Boston, Seattle, Los Angeles. I'm not going to stop saying it until it sells out. Okay, great. You know what I mean? I agree. Okay, great. We love you. Come to Obsessed Fest. Come hang with Robbie, me, Amber, Jillian, Joey, Ellen, Bob Ruff, the Gen Y guys, the Maura Murray boys. Oh, my God. Kane Lindsay. More to be announced. More to be announced. What are we doing next? We are doing Memories of a Murderer, the Nielsen Tapes on Ooh. Netflix. All right. I know nothing about that. Very British. Okay, great. <laughs> Stay tuned for the trailer for that and then our funny and Hilarious outtakes. I mean, I hope. So God. funny. Yeah. Are they? Okay, let's just keep saying okay, it. Okay, <laughs> We love you guys. We love you. Bye. I was an inwardly troubled boy, and nobody seemed to notice. Nielsen went around swooping up vulnerable young men. Well, we've all got to die of something, haven't we? Normally, in a murder case, you'll have a victim. Then you will go looking for the murderer. In this case, we had a murderer, but he didn't know who the victims were. At one stage, there was no room under the floorboards. There were so many bodies there. I am demonic, demonic, demonic. I am strong and weak. It is a tale beyond comprehension. The time is coming. I am the harbinger of death. I remember. It is a great heart to be considered to be monstrous. I am not a monster. I am a man. Awkward, isn't it? Will you do me a favor? Will you say laundry? Laundry. <laughs> laundry. Laundry. What's my motto? I don't know. Just high-pitched screeching. <laughs> Ever hammered? Don't forget to pay your tab. There you go. Don't forget to tip well. <laughs> yeah. 20% at least. Why is my eight-year-old getting up at six o'clock in the morning for school? Why? I don't know why. You you upset she's sleeping in? No, I want, like, the kids need to sleep. That was a joke about how you wake up at four in the morning. <laughs> no, teenagers absolutely need to sleep. And while we're at it, let's get rid of homework. I'm so, saying it. Oh, God, homework is the worst. Homework is so, it's the so worst. stupid. Yes. God, we know everything. We know everything. <laughs> <laughs> 